assuming you're good. No one's good but God. But we are going to jump in as we start. Uh, I'm going to read through our congregational memory verse. If you're visiting with us today, we are thrilled you are here. If you come a little more often, we're glad we can get you anytime we get you. And hopefully uh, the Lord uses the things that we do here to build us up, encourage us, to make us more formed in the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we become more like Jesus, we act more like Jesus in the situations that we're thrown into. To be a blessing, to challenge sometimes, to encourage, to do the kinds of works that he himself did. So this congregational memory verse, I've been having have us camped out there for quite some time. Uh, just because sometimes it's good to soak in certain things. And when I get a sense that, you know, you're actually doing it and actually committing some of this to memory, then, uh, then maybe I'll move on and we'll get something new. But hey, if we spend however long we need to on these words, let's just take our time and do it. There was a sticky note in your bulletin this morning, uh, and there's instructions how to fill that out. You can just write down how the armor of God has blessed you. Any way you want to use that, just do something with it and then put it on that board. And maybe that'll be an encouragement for other people. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. Those are words that are worthy of our attention and dwelling on. So uh, we are continuing our series in Acts, and maybe my slides will do something. There they go. I don't know, the clicker, sometimes, you know, it's technology, persnickety, has a mind of its own. We'll limp through it. We'll do the best we can, right? And, uh, hey, if, if I make mistakes, the embarrassment's all on me, right? Boy, this is such a dead audience, I tell you. <laughs> so, uh, Acts 2.42 is kind of a theme verse that I'm taking uh, from this ser for this series. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the, fellow, uh, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so if you remember from last week, if you were here, we talked about uh, the idea that if you want Acts 2 kinds of results, 
then you're going to need Acts 2 kinds of devotion. Well, Acts 2 results, Acts 2 kind of devotion. So teaching, right? Fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Foundation for us. And then remember, as we closed last week, we got into this whole situation of Peter and John healing this man who had been uh, lame, and he was arrested. Uh, Peter and John were arrested, and they were arrested for a couple things. First, they were teaching the people uh, publicly without uh, permission or anything, and they were doing this, they were proclaiming this healing in the name of Jesus Christ, who was an enemy of the leaders of the people. And they were also proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Sadducees don't hold truck with the theology of a resurrection, so that was a problem. So let's jump into our story then. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest that year, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man is standing before you healed. So Peter and John are now in front of all of the big power players of the Jewish people. And we recognize some of the names, uh, Annas, Caiaphas, because these are the people that we read in the Gospels were the ones who put the death sentence on Jesus and did everything they, they could. They were desperate to get rid of Jesus and squelch everything he was doing and teaching because they were desperate to hold on to their own power. So then uh, Peter gets up and he's bold in his message again, and he's bold in where he places the blame. He goes on to say, he is Jesus, is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That is an audacious claim. Saying, in the name of Jesus, that is the name of salvation. To a Jew, that is blasphemy. To the culture that we are in today, that is equally blasphemous. The boldness, the courage the audacity, it's astounding. I uh, I always heard this quote that I liked, Archimedes, this Greek mathematician and philosopher who said uh, famously, give me a place to stand and I shall move the earth. Give me a place to stand and I shall move the earth. Have you ever heard that quote? 
Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is that place to stand. To change the world. To change things. So uh, my friend Dallas Willard used to say, the strongest will in any gathering of people is always the person most fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. When you take Jesus as Lord, it gives you a place to stand. You are the strongest personality in those situations because of the depth of your belief and your faith. And so notice what Peter did while he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of these are the probably the most politically incorrect words in the entire Bible. He says, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So it's not the Torah. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not Joseph Smith. It's not Shintoism or Hinduism or animism. It's not the occult. It's not Wiccans. It's not Druids. It's not secular humanism. It's not the Pope. It's not Donald Trump. It's not yourself. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus. This world does everything it can to make Jesus one more name on a whole list of names. One more way among a whole lot of other ways. Only Jesus saves. So Jesus is Lord over unborn babies. He is Lord over your wealth. He is Lord over your sexuality. In the end, it is only what Jesus says that is going to matter and is going to stand. And you may think I'm wrong. You may think I'm insensitive when I say only Jesus. I do it. I say those words because of love. Because as a disciple of Jesus, I truly believe I believe in my bones that there will come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So I'm watching this really weird show on Netflix. Imagine that, something weird on Netflix. And uh, the other night, it said that along with Steve Jobs and Adolf Hitler, the great monotheistic, monotheistic faiths of this world are the source and cause of all the world's suffering. The great monotheistic faiths, which would be Judaism, uh, Christianity, and Islam. That they are the source of all problems and all suffering, along with Adolf Hitler and Steve Jobs. So I guess the implication would be that a truly reasonable person is the one who shuns religion hates Hitler, and doesn't use Apple products. You see, in our day and age, it is the secularists, the relativists, the humanists, the religious pluralists that play the role in our culture of the chief priests calling us to account. They are the voices that say, you can't say that only Jesus saves. Until you come to that point where you truly believe 
that Jesus is the only name given by which you must be saved, you're going to remain timid. You're going to remain adrift. You will meet. You'll be wishy-washy. You will never be bold. So these guys, they are taken aback at the boldness and the audacity. Verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The chief priests reveal a real bias toward the trained professional, a bias which we have today. And we want trained professionals, don't get me wrong. The rights, but they, they say that authority comes from having the right schooling, the right credentials, the right connections. And I think we've all had those places where we think, who am I? Who am I to do such and such? Who am I to say this? Who am I to offend, potentially? These leaders are baffled by the boldness and clarity of what Peter and John speak. And so they were running into the reality of where authority truly comes from. God does, doesn't just call the qualified. He qualifies those who are called. That means whatever the Lord asks you to do in your life, He's going to give you the means necessary for you to accomplish that thing. You see, the courage, like courage that Peter displays, it doesn't come from nowhere. It doesn't come from a vacuum. It doesn't materialize out of thin air. It comes from Peter's history. They note that Peter had been together with who? Jesus. Think about all the mistakes Peter had made getting to this point. All the lessons he had learned. It is Peter's history together with Jesus Christ that made all the difference in this situation. Since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Notice the, the blindness. Who do they attribute the miracle to? It's to Peter and John. They haven't even entertained the notion that the miracle is from God through Jesus Christ. They have not even considered the possibility that God may be the one that they are opposing. So their solution to the problem is to threaten Peter and John. They desperately just wanted this whole Jesus thing, this whole episode to get swept under the rug, to go away. It was an embarrassment for them. 
But with the Holy Spirit involved, they are powerless to squelch this thing. So then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They commanded it. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So they just, they just don't know what to do. What can they say? Here's the proof right here. They, they can't argue against that. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when the gathered group of people, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. So two things I want you to notice from this. How did they pray? Together. Their voices, they did it together. Every one of that gathered group. This is something that they did together. There's power in the people of God praying together. And also pay attention to the content of what they prayed as we look through these verses. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand, heal, and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They didn't pray, Lord, protect us. Lord, keep us safe. Lord, let the persecution stop. Lord, please convert these authorities. So that that removes our opposition. The thing that they pray for is, Lord, let us speak the word of God with great boldness. Whatever else comes, come what may, let us speak the word of God with great boldness. And notice how God responded to their prayer. The Lord, the Lord is so pleased with this prayer that He responds right then and there in that moment and answers that prayer right then and there. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the Word of God Boldly. 
Again, that we, we find this again and again, that when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, they are empowered to speak the Word of God boldly. They're courageous. It flows out of them. So I think that invites us to ask a question, what is it in your life that you boldly proclaim? Do you boldly proclaim Jesus? Some of us are like, well, that's just not me. That's... You're bold about certain things. Maybe sports is your thing. You ever raised your voice at a sporting event and cried out? Some Ducks fans do sometimes. Uh, maybe you're timid about most things. But when it comes to politics, you're bold and you speak out your opinions on Trump or all the problems we have because Kate Brown has done this or that's bold. Are you bold for Jesus Christ? The one who in the end, it's only His word that matters. Are you bold about that? I'm not saying that you've you got to be preachy and make everyone uncomfortable in the grocery store or at your workplace. Or What I'm saying is trust the Holy Spirit and follow His lead. Let the Holy Spirit show you what you need to be doing. Rely on the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be bold in the Spirit. Trust the Spirit. If you do that, it's going to be amazing the, the ways God will use you and where He will take you. I think our timidity in proclaiming the Word of God in our day and in our time is just a sign of how comfortable a lot of disciples of Jesus have become not listening to the Spirit, squelching the Spirit, denying the Spirit, putting out the Spirit's fire. What does your next step in faith look like? I want to call us to repent and ask again of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what is my next step? Maybe it's personal sin issues. Maybe it's, maybe it's a work that you're being invited into. It could be any number of things. We're afraid to ask this question sometimes because we think it's going to be something really embarrassing and totally heroic. And so we take no small steps and we end up doing nothing. Likely, if you ask this of the Spirit, I believe that He will show you something small and reasonable and humble because there needs to be some work to build you up. Something like maybe renewing your commitment to showing up at church Sunday morning or attending a life group or some other meeting or, or helping out with some program or activity of this church. Maybe that small thing is some personal issue in your own life that you really need to face. Maybe it's apologizing to your spouse for snapping at her or your kids uh, for saying something wrong with them. Or it may be turning off the game or the show a few minutes early and spending that time talking to the Lord. It could be any number of things. 
that the Spirit invites you into. So what do I want you to take home from today's lesson? How does a person become bold and courageous for Jesus Christ? It's by doing the next right thing. Jesus did amazing things in the moment because of all the humble things that he did in the off moments when he was out of the spotlight. He'd go away to a quiet, lonely place. He would have solitude and meditation and silence and prayer, all of these things, spending time together with his father so that when the moment came, he knew the right thing to do. So the question for us is, what is your next step? I'm asking you, as an individual, what is your next step? And don't worry if it's not like fireworks and this, that, and you're on a street corner preaching or whatever. If you want to have boldness and courage like a lion, first we need to not spurn our kitten-sized experiences. Just a way to say that, to invite us to think about the way the Lord uses our lives and our history. We think, I can't be like this. I don't even want to be like this. Because we say that, we don't do the next small little thing in front of us. We don't do the next little step of faithfulness. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been together with Jesus. How many mistakes had Peter made by the time Acts chapter 4 rolls around? How many rebukes did he have to receive from the Lord? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. I tell you, before the rooster crows, three, uh, you will have denied me three times. How many rebukes? failures, lessons did Peter learn before this? Peter had to build his resume of faith. He had to rely on and trust the Holy Spirit. He had to devote himself to certain things. He was part of a fellowship and a community. He had to take little steps before he was ready for bigger ones. When you take little steps in faithfulness, you will discover how God is faithful. And you will trust more to take a little bit bigger step next time. And it builds over time. In that history of working together with the Lord, that becomes your testimony. Let me tell you, this is the way Calvin Gruen was. I was that, but I'm not that anymore by the grace of God. He will give you a testimony. You will grow in little steps of faithfulness 
It will be your witness to share with other people. Have courage in the small things. Actually do something about the small things. And you will learn to have the courage that is necessary when the bigger things come. You know, uh, if you've built your life like this and you lived all in for Jesus, when you are faced with overwhelming opposition that seems to have the power of your very life in their hands, and they go on in their boldness and they say, judge for yourselves rather whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard, that is our testimony. Can you help speaking about what you have seen and heard? I have a testimony about what Calvin Gruen was and what Jesus Christ has done in my life. It's got to be shared. I got to be bold about it. Because the Holy Spirit has His way more and more in your life. Like the prophet Jeremiah, more and more you will discover, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. It's just so you have a little bit of context. If you read that verse, a verse before that, this is Jeremiah's complaint. Lord, the word you have given me to speak, it has ruined my life. And he discovered what his life really was. And it gets in, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, when he build this history together with him, when the right moments come, and you have learned to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will speak. In fact, you come to a point where not to speak. It's just, it seems impossible. He'll help you get where you need to go. Trust the Spirit in small things and commit to making your next step in faith. This will lead to further steps. Consider everything that happens off screen with Jesus and his disciples that allows what happens on the spot to be amazing. How much time did Jesus spend talking to his father? How many mistakes did the disciples make? How many times did they need to repent? How many lessons did they have to learn? What is your next step? That's a you and the Lord question. That's not a Calvin question or preacher telling me what to do. I, actually, I am telling you. <laughs> so, yeah, I all the time stop preaching and go to meddling. But the ball is in your court is basically what I'm saying. What is your next step? What's your kitten size experience that you need to have 
me to have several of those to grow into further experiences. How are you going to be bold and courageous? For me, that had to start, start with sober, a sober look at the, at the brokenness of my own life. It, it started with a sober look at my level of commitment to the Lord. It had to start with a consideration of where my heart really was. It had to start with looking at the things I was devoting myself to. The Lord will show you your next step. Have the courage to do something rather than nothing. I don't know how these words strike you this morning or uh, what may be resonating with you from this. I hope that this has been encouraging. I hope that it's been challenging. I hope that you will learn to trust the Spirit's guidance in your life more and more. I hope that for myself. So whatever needs you have, if you want the prayers of this church, if you want to put the Lord on in baptism as we, you start a whole new life of discipleship together with Him, whatever way that we can help you, you have an opportunity to come forward and let me know and respond while we uh, stand and sing this next song together.